Welcome back. You're watching Stock Watch with me, Bright Kumalo. And tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Roy Mutoni from APSA Asset Management and Mark Dutoy from Oyster Catcher Investments. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Gentlemen, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, you know, in the markets. I mean, uh, yesterday's... Um, US, U.S. inflation numbers showing signs of cooling off 0% on a month-on-month -month basis. And, you know, we're back. It's risk-on, uh, you know, with growth stocks and, you know, um, consumer stocks as well. Everything is up, basically. And, I mean, when I was pulling up the numbers this morning, we saw the S&P 500 is only down about 13%. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the NASDAQ is only down 18%. But what's even more interesting is that the NASDAQ now is in full bull market territory from the lows of you know sort of mid uh june that we saw during my birthday i remember it was the 14th of june so i can't forget that, <laughs> that date um a lot has changed from from then i mean what's driving markets today from where we are um uh, global markets uh, um roy um, yeah, thank, thanks, Bright. Yes, it's, it's been it's been happy days to be honest since we saw that US CPI print, and and also the PPI print yes. and the employment print as well. And, yes. and it just seems to me that the, the market is beginning to feel like this interest rate hiking cycle is coming to an end, and the probability of interest rate cutting into next year is is um, is becoming greater. But but the truth is, if you look through these numbers and you look through the detail. I don't think the Fed has achieved what it wanted to achieve. And, and that's the bluff that the market is trying to call. Remember, the Fed wanted to bring inflation down to something like 2%, give or take. And they even said there may be some pain here, which means they're willing to take the risk of lowering employment or increasing unemployment to get to that low inflation number. The market is saying, no, the economy is slowing down fast enough that you can't you can't actually get there and they think that the fed actually blinked with the previous statement they made i think uh, yeah i think you have to take perspective here and and just understand that even in the past when we've had these huge rallies they sometimes could be referred to as bear market rallies good news as the market is declining makes it bounce it sucks people in and then when the real bad news comes down, comes in, it, everybody, gets, everybody gets thrown out. I think the variable to watch is what's happening to labor costs. Yeah. And, and because the, the thing that's really sticky in inflation is unit labor costs. So productivity is down, but costs of labor have risen. And that's what the Fed is trying to bring down, and it's not looking like it's coming down. That might make them more aggressive. That might make them have greater resolve. And if they do that, Markets are going to regret this rally. So that, that, I think, is my view as it stands right now. Um, clearly, markets are going very much against what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I think it's early days. Yeah, certainly circumspect. But I mean, um, if the IRS, you know, employment numbers are anything to go by, <laughs> you look at that, you know, staff costs or, you know, balance sheets, when you look at the staff cost numbers, it's bloated by 584% going north since, you know, the takeover of uh, Joe Biden as president. I don't know what they're, what they, you know, doing there by the IRS, but if that's an indication of what's going on in the ground, it's definitely not good news for the markets. Uh, you know, long term, uh, to say the least. Um, your thoughts on, on, on the current temperature of the markets, uh, you know, 
including obviously local markets, which seems to be also bouncing uh, back. I mean, uh, we're seeing a bit of risk on here in our local markets as well. Yes, I mean, I guess the, the reason is because we're starting to see inflation peak, uh, it seems, or it seems like it's starting to roll over. We first saw the, the commodity prices coming off heavily in June, which obviously will start to feed into inflation. So I think the market is getting a little bit um, more excited about the prospects of the, of the rate hiking cycle starting to slow. Um, I guess there's also been quite a bit of money that is that was sitting on the sidelines for quite a while looking for for an opportunity to re-enter the market um, and as the, the market came off its lows in June we're starting to see the money flow you know back into equity markets. I mean I, I am of course I, I guess I'm also a little bit hesitant that, that, that June was the bottom I mean it's very difficult to call the actual bottom of, of a market but I'm hesitant to say that, that, that that's it, we're now off to the races because like we've just discussed, I mean the, the um, wage inflation is going to be persistent until the Fed's able to, to cool the economy. So it's still going to be very much uh, uh, what, uh, you know, kind of a wait and see as to what the Fed's going to do and, and where the interest rating rate cycle, hiking cycle um, ends. Yeah, and if June was, uh, you know, the, the, the where market bottomed on my birthday surely has been a great gift for 2022, to say the least, for me at least. <laughs> um, before I jump into our questions, I think we should, um, I have one more question for you, Roy, um, with regards to the deal, you know, Rain is proposing a merger of unequals here uh, between them and Telcom. Uh, what did you make of the news? I, I think that is the most rational move that Rain could have made. Just remember that Rain's sole reason for existence, or rather the big motivation for Rain's existence, was before Spectrum was allocated, um, Vodacom was coming close to full capacity utilization on their Spectrum. Um, we had no clue what was going to happen with spe the Spectrum auction. Yeah. And here was Rain, who had very good 5G, 4G Spectrum, um, but didn't have the capital to develop their network. So they, they went into bed together, and this really worked out for them. It created a whole business. Um, they had that consumer business and they had the Vodacom business and that made them do well. Now we've had the, the auction. Everybody's got as much spectrum as they really want. So in truth, there is no real motive for Vodacom to push a lot more traffic their way. It's actually more efficient if Vodacom keeps as much traffic as they can on the Vodacom network. They make more money and then diminish it. So, so if you're sitting in Rain's shoes, you start asking yourself, we don't have the money or the wherewithal to build our own network extensively. Here's Telcom, who has all of this fiber, who's built, who's already spent their money with this radio, radio network. If we merge together, we would get what we were getting from Vodacom. Yep. And between the two of us, um, it's effectively a merger of equals, as they call it. But in reality, Telcom is much bigger. They get access to a real live network. Um, and, and from there, they have a reason to exist. They, they actually have a new lease of life when it comes, the, the two of them. They contribute their expertise in management and their 5G network and all of that. And Telcom comes with its infrastructure. Like we've said for a long time, Telcom has fantastic infrastructure. It's very asset rich, but it doesn't earn enough to justify those assets. So, so to me, it makes sweat the assets more. Sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, anything to add there? Uh, no, I mean, just, I mean, Telcom's assets, I mean, it has looked like it was really 
trading below its asset value. Um, we were expecting something to happen. Rain kind of came out of left field a little bit, obviously wanting also to have a, a piece of the pie. So let's see what happens. I mean, it is depending on what uh, the, the telecom shareholders want and government has a big stake there. So it's difficult to get things across the line, difficult to get decisions made. So um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see where it, where it ends. Yeah, let's see. Um, but we definitely know who's going to be the winner in that measure. Um, now we can talk about our questions. We have a few here um, on, on Twitter from Tahir who says, Hi, uh, would, uh, would you still buy uh, Sibanye after the update? And the other one says, um, with Sibanye, it's still Waters announcement today and earnings in two weeks. Is it a buy? I'll start with you, Mark. Yeah, so Sibanye came out today and, and updated the guidance on the US mine, uh, Stillwater. Yeah. So that mine's seen quite a bit of challenges since they since they bought it. I mean, they put forward a case today to say that it was a good acquisition, and yes, it was because the PGM prices really rallied over the times after the acquisition. But they've had some serious operational challenges, so they've downgraded the guidance for this year and going forward. Uh, I think the original plan was to get up to eight hundred and fifty thousand ounces a year and they're saying now that they're going to reconfigure it and rather mine at a steady state of 700,000 ounces. So a disappointment but I mean we have seen that Sabanya's share price has underperformed recently so uh, and they have flagged these problems to the market early on. Um, yeah and I mean on our numbers Sabanya still screens cheaper than the other PGM miners. I guess that you just have to make sure that you want to be in the PGM miner space because um, if the prices of the metals come off, you know, there's not much that the mines can do to, to, to reduce their costs. So you do have to be sure that you want to be owning the PGM mining space. Okay, fantastic. Um, do you have anything to add, Roy, on Sibanya Stillwater? No, I, th I, think he's covered, I think he's covered it quite well. I mean, it was disappointing that they came with that review of the U.S. where basically everything went the wrong way. So they're getting to lower production, low, higher costs, um, over the medium term. So, look, they're, they're, they're good operators. Maybe they overestimated themselves at the beginning. Um, maybe now this is when reality strikes. But I think you'll see across all of the PGM miners, costs have become a big, big issue, um, especially as um, the share prices have sold off. Okay, interesting. Yeah, we'll be watching, you know, again, those tough costs <laughs> across the spectrum. Uh, including GSE listed companies. Uh, Ezekiel on email says, is SLG a good share? Is it another Tungela? Obviously, SLG is Salongano or something, uh, which is the old Westco, um, if, if you remember Westco, which always traded basically at one rand the last time I checked. It never really went above. And if it did, rallied a bit and always came back down. So, uh, Mark, your thoughts on, on Westco? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't have a lot to add. I mean, we're hesitant to invest in small uh, mining companies. I mean, mining is a difficult endeavor and you do need, um, you, there are serious benefits to scale. And I think that the, you know, the, the mining companies, the larger ones on our, on our exchange are not expensive um, if you are confident that these commodity prices are going to hold up. So if you want to buy a coal miner, then I'd rather buy Xara or Tungela. 
Um, for me, West Coal is going to have a few challenges. I know I read that they're going to rather truck coal. Um, you know, you know, to take advantage of the high export prices. Uh, that's an expensive endeavour, and you know, if prices come off. I'm not sure where they're going to sell their coal. Sure, uh, that sounds like an addition. You know, in the cost base that you don't want. Um, who actually makes money from buying a company like this? <laughs> so it's yeah. Look, I, I I agree with I agree with my colleague here. I, I I think one of the attractions to this stock is people look at what Tugela has done in the last one year, and then they look for another small coal play and figure even this one could give you ten times or a thousand times. Um, your investment, but but I think it's important to recognize the risks when you go into these smaller companies. There's lower liquidity, there's less coverage, um, and there's some very unique unique risks. So it's not one that I'm particularly close to, but it's one that I would say I would approach with caution. If the attraction is to get a cheap together, um, you, you must go in with your eyes open um, and, and 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 do and do a lot of your own research. If if it's to get into the coal world. Um, Xaro has been there, it's incredibly cheap. Tugela is not yet expensive. Um, you, you can get the exposure you're looking for without taking on significant um, unique risks. So, yeah, so I, I think I'll leave that one there. Yeah, some hard lessons are going to be learned about risk-adjusted returns uh, and the actual mm -hmm. true meaning of that, um, which I guess that's why we're here, right? They're asking us the questions. Uh, on the SMS line, uh, we have a question here uh, who says... Um, what do you think of Trade Desk and why did the share price go up 35% uh, last night? So Trade Desk uh, is a U.S. listed company specializing, specializing in automating digital marketing tools. I don't know if any of you gents follow it very closely. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's not one that I follow so that's all. above our pay grade here it's fine um, absolutely yeah my thoughts my thoughts on on, on, on trade desk also are pretty reserved I only know uh, finite information and unfortunately uh, well the reason why they're up is because also they had numbers that were not as worse as expected uh, like many technology firms in the US but yeah, I don't know if I'll be buying something like Trade Desk. I, don't, I can't even explain to you what they do, really. Um, we have, well, this is a familiar company on SMS. Um, what is the outlook for Redefine over the next two years, Mark? A better pick? <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess the, the property space is quite um, challenged at this point in time. I mean, obviously, there's a, an oversupply of commercial property. Um, we're seeing um, a lot of companies trying to convert large office buildings into residential, which is it's expensive, and unless you can get the property at, at next to nothing, it doesn't really make um, doesn't make make you money. So, I think that the property space is is difficult. Um, not expecting a lot of growth, um, so you, you you kind of going to earn your dividend yield, and um, and then just maybe. You know, slightly below inflationary growth. Um, on Redefine, I mean, specifically, they have done a good job in repositioning their balance sheet. Um, during COVID, they had to, you know, scramble a bit, sell a few assets, uh, reduce the um, uh, assets to debt ratio, which they have done. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably fair value. It's 
probably not something that's a screaming bar for us at this point. You think this is fair value, Mark? You're going to break a lot of hearts out there because I've got a friend who holds <laughs> these and he thinks they're still going to go back to 11 bucks. Uh, Roy, can you further disappoint my friend here? <laughs> I, I think the important thing to think when you talk about property is that broadly speaking, these are supposed to be bond proxies. So, yeah. so you invest in them um, for the yield for high yield. But right now where we are, bond yields, 10-year yield in SA is something about 10 to 11%, which is quite a high hurdle. Yeah. So Redefine at least is yielding more than that. It's probably yielding about 12%. Thereabout. So that gives us some level of attractiveness or closer to fairish value. Um, but then you also have to think about the balance sheet repair that all of these companies have had to go through. The likelihood that the leases that when they start renewing them will not, as they renew them over the short to medium term, will not actually be renewed at the levels they are right now because the market hasn't settled in because the demand isn't quite there. Um, they've you. diversified nicely. They did the acquisition. But yeah, I, I think property still has some way to go. We've seen some of these rallies coming through because I think the stocks became incredibly cheap. But now you're at the point where you have to be very discerning and you have to look quite carefully into the individual stocks. Redefine is probably fairish, fairish value, maybe slightly cheap. Yeah. But okay. um, yeah, that's, that, that's how I'd look at it. So if you want us to discern, we'll double down on property. I've got a question here from Andre Klassen who says, oh. does high prop still offer good value? Is it worth an investment? Uh, the dividends are quite good. I think it means the income because these things don't pay dividends. Yes. Uh, or does capital and counties offer better value? So now you've got an option between high prop, capital and counties, and if not that, those two, or you didn't like redefine much as well. So which one do you like in the property space? Mark? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I guess... Out of the choice between high prop and capital and counties, I would pick high prop. Um, I think that they also again they've they've done well to to exit some of the some of the underperforming malls that they were in, um, and use that to do some balance sheet repair, as Roy uh, called it. So I would prefer high prop over capital and counties. Capital and counties. Um, I mean, I haven't looked at it for a while, but the exposure to the UK property market, I remember when we last looked at it, we were worried about how they go about valuing their, their portfolio. Uh, they're uh, using kind of rent proxies to, to value their assets, um, which looked like, uh, looked to us like they were kind of putting forward a more favorable picture than what, what they could actually get. Um, so yeah, in that scenario, I would, I would pick Hypop over over yeah, and then they sold one of their crown jewels. So I don't know, man, what's left in, in capital and counties, to be honest. Um, Roy, um, you got your options here. I'd actually go the other way. <laughs> While I agree with Mark, the thing about Hyprop is that it's predominantly in the big regional malls where, where we're actually you're still seeing increased competition and weakening reversals and higher vacancies. Okay. Then in Europe, they bought out a lot of their partners um, in, in those the investments they had made there, and they used a lot of gearing to to get to own these businesses on their own. So, so the, the thing is, the loan-to-value is quite high in Europe. Um, a, a lot of the income they have will be used to pay down this debt. 
Um, so, so I see a little bit of a, li- a little bit of concern there with regards to to gearing over time in terms of growth of income, because that's what the listener is asking about: high high dividends or high income from there. Yes. Capital in counties, on the surface, just looks it's it's in it's in good areas in London. I mean, if if the UK market is what you're looking for, you want to be in capital in counties. It's well situated, good assets, but the initial yield is very low, which might actually tell you that this is probably fully priced. Um, less less of a risk from a gearing perspective. Um, it, it just looks like um, after the, the merger that they have right now, I think it's called the Shaftesbury Group. They yes. become quite a big, a big, a big REIT. So they might be among the top seven or eight in the in the UK. You might have passives buying into it. So so that gives you a little bit of upside. But exactly like Mark was saying, and like we said about redefine, all of these are challenged in in terms of the short to medium term outlook from a pure income growth perspective. The risks are still there, the balance sheets are still stretched, or at least in the process of being fixed. So it's not it's not an obvious play when you see something yielding a certain number, you think you're going to get that consistently. Well but get me excited about property though. So what, what do I go for if you know you're not so excited about high prop I mean I thought, you know, foot traffic that we've been seeing uh-huh. in Hyde Park is unparalleled. I mean we're back to pre-COVID if, if days in terms of pre, you know, food traffic. What, what am I getting excited about if I'm not getting excited about hyper? To, to me, to me, if, if it's yield you're looking for, the SAGB, the 10-year, is at 11%. Zero risk. Zero growth, but <laughs> okay. zero risk. Okay, fantastic. At least you gave me something. <laughs> Let's jump into our stock picks for the evening. I'll start with you, Mark. Yes, so tonight I'm picking Old Mutual. So we like the South African insurance sector. We think that um, it's been largely ignored. It's been sold down. So All Mutual came out with a trading update today um, and their um, results from operations were slightly ahead of our expectations. So that gives us some confidence in our numbers. We think that they are holding excess provisions, COVID provisions, which will slowly unwind through the income statement. So you've got a bit of an earnings tailwind. They're also holding excess uh, capital, which can be returned to shareholders either through higher dividends or perhaps uh, share buyback, depending on what their board decides. And you're getting eight and a half percent for dividend yield. So if you put that all together, um, some earnings growth, high dividend dividend yield, a bit of a stocky rating, we think you can get a close to a 20% return a year for the next two to three years out of Old Mutual. Okay, fantastic, Mark. You're getting me excited about Old Mutual because I'm excited about the PE scheme that's coming out. And if a distinguished gentleman like you is saying it's a buy, you know, I'm wagging my tail here. Um, (laughs) Roy, your pick for the evening? My pick for the evening is MTN. Um, They released results today for the first year, for the first half. And it's quite interesting since this new management team came together maybe a year or two ago, they've largely delivered on everything they've said. Wow. Um, they've, they've reduced their gearing, they've slimmed the business down, it's become Africa-focused, they're still able to get money out of Nigeria, their disclosure is fantastic. Um, they haven't put a foot wrong. And in this environment, when you look at a business that's growing at this rate, I mean, their service revenue growth is in just under mid-teens, bottom-line earnings um, in the 30s and if you look at it on a consistent basis over the next two or three years you'll go in the mid-teens and it's still trading on a 12 times multiple i mean even compared to global um mobile players they're on a 3.9 or four times ev ebitda it's 
it, it just feels cheap to me. I think the market prices in way too much risk than that than is realistic here, and I think it offers it offers investors um, good upside over the medium term. Yeah, and it, it so happened that the Kumalo clan also has bet the farm on you know the call option <laughs> to MTN, which is MTN's Akela Futi. So I'm very excited about that too. Thank you very <laughs> much, Roy. So MTN and Old Mutual, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks to my guests, Roy Mutoni from EPSA Asset Management and Mark Dutoy from Oyster Catcher Investments. Do join Zinati for the Friday edition of a Stockwatch. That's tomorrow at 19.30. Have a good evening. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.